This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin tonight with a visit from The Whistler. You're walking alone in the street at night. But then you hear another set of footsteps and a haunting tune being whistled by an unseen stranger. Fritz Lang used such a premise in his 1930s German movie with Peter Lorre playing M, a psychopathic murderer of children. But the American radio series that used that scenario every week was just as creepy. The unseen whistler didn't kill anyone, though, that we know of. But he certainly loved watching murders take place, narrating them for us and chuckling at the suffering of others instead of doing anything to stop it. Unlike M, he was never arrested. He kept walking the streets every week for 13 long years, whistling his ominous 13 notes and telling us another tale of bizarre fate. Perhaps fate is who the whistler really was. He never promoted or provided any surname, the killer was usually punished by some twist of fate that of only the, the Whistler seemed to expect. It's likely the Whistler was inspired by the Shadow, which began nearly a decade earlier. Like the Shadow, the Whistler seemed to enter and exit the criminal underworld without ever being seen. He would watch the evildoers carry out their schemes, yet they never saw him. And even though he could tell us that what they were thinking in his presence, his voice sounded equally sinister as the shadow, too. It was a slithering tenor, hissing the S's and often laughing <laughs> at the foolishness of the guilty. Both series had similar opening lines. The shadow, quote, knew what evil lurked in the hearts of men, whereas the whistler knows many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Tonight's episode is entitled The Alibi. Wait a minute. Have you heard the strange tales of the whistler? I'm the whistler. I've come to the end of my rope. I've tried my best for 20 years to please Agatha. I gave up my painting and tried business after business and failed in every venture. Now I... I can't go on any longer. I'm through. Another Sunday night, and again CBS presents The Whistler. I, the whistler, know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. And so I tell you tonight the amazing story of the alibi. 
poor Henry Farrington paces the library floor. Through his mind run the events of the past 20 years, from the day when he married the wealthy young widow, Agatha Durant. Henry hadn't a dollar of his own then, nothing but charm. He still hasn't a dollar of his own, and now very little charm. Henry was a struggling artist, but Agatha was a businesswoman and was determined to make Henry a businessman. And Henry had tried, tried hard. Agatha backed him in venture after venture, bossing him, completely dominating his every moment. But Henry experienced nothing but failure, and gradually Agatha's love turned to disgust. And now, 20 years later, his artistic talent long since vanished, he realizes what a wreck Agatha has made of him. What are you doing in here, Henry? Morning, Agatha. I said, what are you doing? Why, I'm just thinking. Hmm, that's what I thought. What are you doing with the lights on in the daytime? Why, it's cloudy this morning. A bit dull in here. You don't need lights to think. Turn them out. Yes, Agatha. Are you going to do nothing but mope around again today? What do you want me to do? Do you know what day this is? Why, uh, no. What day is it? Perhaps I've forgotten. You'd forget your head if it weren't tied on. It's the first of the month. You go into town and collect the rent on the store buildings. Very well, Agatha. Shall I deposit it in the bank? No. Bring it back here. And hang on to it. You lost it last time. Or so you said. I did lose it. Hmm. You need a nursemaid to follow your every move. You've done a pretty good job of it. Did you order the garden hose yesterday? No, I... I forgot it. I had a lot on my mind. Yeah? What's bothering you now? Well, I've got a chance to get in on a pretty good deal. I need some money. What kind of a deal? Well, it's a... An oil lease deal. Who with? Why, uh, Joe Hammond. A 50-50 proposition. Joe Hammond? You know better than to talk to me about Joe Hammond. He's done pretty well. Yes, for himself. Double-crossed everybody he ever came in contact with. He's a good lawyer. You mean he was. Good thing I caught up with him and had him disbarred. He'd have stolen every dime I have. It only takes $2,000. $2,000? Add up all the thousands I've given you to put over business deals, and you'd have a fortune. You haven't an ounce of business sense in your whole body. I never said I had. That was your idea. You started me on my business career, and you can take the consequences. What do you mean by that? I'm going in on that deal. I need $2,000. And one way or another, I'm going to get it. I wish I knew what you mean. You'll know later. Where are you going? Into town to collect the rents. You better bring it back with you. I will, Agatha. I'll bring the rent and... And what? And the hose. Of course. Good morning, Agatha. <clears throat> Threatening me. Well... I'll soon fix him. Agatha stands staring after him. Terrible thoughts race through her mind. Thoughts of fear, disgust, hatred, money, death, revenge. Her head begins to whirl. She can scarcely breathe. Her eyes bulge in terror. She clutches at her heart, her throat. Higgins! Higgins!
Higgins, the butler, rushes in, realizes at once that Agatha has had another of her heart attacks, carries her to the Davenport, gives her a dose of her stimulant, and calls Dr. Johnson. I heard her call to me, but she was unconscious when I reached her, Dr. Johnson. I gave her some of her heart medicine. And I don't remember her having one of these attacks for several months, Higgins. She's had one a week for the last four or five weeks, Doctor. Oh, dear. Well, she'll pull out of it in a few minutes. Her heart's in a terrible condition. She's been under some extreme emotional strain. Oh, yes, yes, yes. She's coming round now. Ah, morning, Agatha. Huh? Oh, what are you doing here? <laughs> you haven't been eating enough apples. <laughs> Who sent for you? What's happened? Well, well, ma'am, you had another attack. I called Dr. Johnson. Attack? Nonsense. Oh, it isn't nonsense, Agatha. You've had one of the worst attacks you've ever had. No. Believe me, if you don't drop all this business worry and control your temper, well, you won't have many more. Oh, bosh. Tell me, what brought this on, Agatha? Some deal turn out badly, lose a little money someplace? No, I didn't. Oh, all right, Agatha. But I'm warning you, you'd better slow down, forget business, and control that temper. Do you realize what your blood pressure is? No, and I don't care. Oh, dear. Henry must have pulled a dilly. Who said anything about Henry? Oh, no, no, no. Take it easy, Agatha. You know, you're your own worst enemy. <laughs> well, I'll be running along. Good. <laughs> Plenty of rest and quiet and no temper. Goodbye, Agatha. Goodbye. <laughs> Henry walks around town for a half hour and finally gets up sufficient courage to see Joe Hammond, the ex-lawyer. Well, Henry, have you got the 2000 Well, no, that is not exactly, Joe. When will you have it? I can raise it, but it'll take a little longer than you gave me. Now, look, Henry, I bought that lease and gave my check for 4000 Your check bounced. You didn't have a dime and you knew it. Now I'm caught short because of you. You'd better dig up the 2000 or I'm turning it over to the county attorney. I'll get it, Joe. How will you get it? I'll figure it out. Did you ask your wife? Yes. But she refused when I told her it was a deal with you. Oh, you're a sap, Henry. You know she hates me. I've told her she was all wrong about you. Ah, I couldn't stand to be around a woman like that. Sometimes I... Well, I can hardly stand it myself. I, I'd kill her. What did you say? I said I'd feed her ground glass. She's done enough to me. If I had to put up with her as you have, well, I'd do something about it. What would you do, Joe? I'd wring her neck. I can't stand a bossy woman. You'd kill her, would you? Oh, I'm just speaking figuratively. You've tried hard, Henry. You've done your very best to be a successful businessman. It isn't your fault. So far, you failed, and she's sore about it. Left her entire fortune to her niece. I'm the nitwit of a girl just out of school. I know, but she took out a $50,000 policy payable to me. Oh, what does that do you? If you die first... But she isn't very well, Joe. Eh, she may live for years. You may bump off tomorrow. Yeah, of course, I doubt that. Nothing wrong with you that a uh, bank account wouldn't fix. Is that? No, I guess not. Ah, she's got all the money she'll ever need. She's not in a jam. She's seen everything. And we'll all go to that niece. Uh, except the insurance made out to you. Uh, that's payable in a few days, you know. After death. Yeah. I'm in a jam, Henry, and you're in a jam. You better start figuring some way out. I'll give you to the end of the week, Saturday at noon. You mean you must have the money by then? Oh, no, no, not necessarily money. Just, uh, well, just some sort of uh, assurance that you know where you can uh, really get it. I see. Yeah. Well, think it over. 
And I'll always be around if you want any uh, legal advice. Thanks, Joe, for the extension. I'll be in touch with you. Agatha is in her room now, sleeping. Her niece has come home from college, having graduated, and brings with her a young man. The two young people are waiting for the aunt to wake up. Believe me, Janet, this is certainly a swell place. I had no idea it was like this. I thought you'd like it, Grant. I've never lived in a house with more than six rooms. This place must have at least 15. More than that, darling. Mm -hmm. Your Aunt Agatha certainly must have a lot of money to be able to keep a place like this. Mm, She has. She has more than she knows what to do with. What did the butler say happened to her? Oh, she, she had another attack. It's her heart. She has a terrible temper and pays no attention to the doctor's warnings about getting excited. According to Higgins, the doctor said he doubted if she could stand another like the one today. Hmm. Must be in pretty bad shape. Do you think she'll like me, Janet? Why shouldn't she? I do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I warn you, she's a sour face and grouchy. But don't let her upset you. She'll get used to you. I love you very much, Grant. That's all that really matters. I love you, Janet. More than anything in the world. Uh, Your uh, aunt will see you now, Miss Janet. Thanks. Come along, Grant. Right. You wait outside the door. I I want to talk to her first. I'll try to get her in a good humor. Boy, this is a tense moment. I feel like I'm going before a judge. Hello, Aunt Agatha. How do you feel? I feel all right. How long have you been here? Oh, about half an hour. Sorry to hear you had another attack today. You should take things more calmly. That's easier said than done. How's Uncle Henry? He's in town. Good for nothing, man. Oh, I wouldn't say that. What do you know about it? Nothing. Oh, I think I know Uncle Henry rather well. All men are the same. I wouldn't trust one around the street. Well, that's a matter of opinion. Um, Aunt Agatha, I... Well, I... Well, well, what's on your mind? What are you trying to say? I have a surprise for you. Surprise? What do you mean? I brought a guest home with me. A guest? Huh? Least you could do was warn me. Who is she? It isn't a girl. Uh, Who, then? Just a minute. Come in, Grant. Aunt Agatha, this is Grant. Grant? Grant who? Grant Collins. I'm very happy to meet you, Mrs. Farrington. What's he doing here? He's going to stay here for a while. Why? Well, because because I asked him to. Well, I didn't ask him. But, Aunt Agatha, you don't understand. I understand, all right. And I don't need any explanations. Is this an example of what you've been doing at college, running around with men? Well, this is different. Grant is more than just a friend. I... I have enough trouble around here now without taking on any more. You'll have to leave at once. Well, you don't know what you're saying. I certainly do. Well, perhaps I can explain You'll it. keep out of this. This doesn't concern you. I'm afraid it does concern him, Aunt Agnes. Well, who is he? Where'd you meet him? What does he do? Well, I'm just an ordinary person. I haven't come from any great family, if that's what you mean. And I haven't any money. What's your business? Well, I haven't any regular line. I've done a lot of things. But I'll hit on something. Hmm. Another one. Just like Henry. You ought to have more sense than that, Janet. But I love Grant. Nonsense. And I love Janet. Young man... You better leave this house before I lose my temper. I'm not going to have my niece throwing herself away on a nobody. Now get out. Just a minute, Aunt Agatha. This is my home, too. Grant is here at my request. Is that so? Your home, hey. It's your home only so long as I choose to make it so. You're my heir. But if you dare to defy me, I'll change that quicker than you can bat an eye. Oh, you're jumping to conclusions. After you get to know me better, I... I think you'll like me, Aunt Agatha. Aunt Agatha. What do you mean by Aunt Agatha? I'm your nephew. Uh, 
Did you say nephew? Yes, he did. Grant and I are married. Married? We were married today. Oh, how dare you? How dare you do such a thing without consulting now, please, me? Now, please, Agatha, don't let yourself get excited. Get out of here. Get out. But please, Mrs. Farrington, give me a chance to explain. This marriage will be annulled immediately, Janet. Or I'm through with you. Do you hear? I'll change the will and leave you nothing. It's final. Now get out. Get out, both of you, and leave me alone. Get out. Come on, Grant. Let's leave her alone before she has another attack. Do you think we should? I'm all right now. Leave me alone. Say, I never expected anything like this. Neither did I. She certainly is in a bad way. Yes, I didn't realize it was quite this serious. She's in a terrible mental state. Well, this is a pretty situation for us. I don't want you to leave, darling. You'd better wait a few days until, until she's better. There must be some way to win her over. I hope you're right. I'll have a talk with Uncle Henry. Something's happened to cause all this. I'll find out as soon as he comes in. Now, don't worry, darling. Everything will be all right. I hope so. I'll just keep out of her way for a few days and see what develops. Now, long after dinner, Uncle Henry sits alone in the library, deeply lost in thought. On the desk before him is a small-calibered revolver. His fingers toy with the weapon. And as the door opens, he slips the gun into his desk drawer. Janet closes the door and steps into the room. Uncle Henry. Huh? Oh, come in, Janet. I wanted to talk with you alone. Talk with me? Very well. What is your opinion of Grant? Why, I like him. Fine boy. Do you suppose it would do any good if you talked to Aunt Agatha? I? You know as well as I do how she feels about me. And in her eyes, Grant is an exact counterpart of me. She thinks it's the same situation over again. And she's determined that you won't have to put up with a failure as she did with me. But how does she know he'll be a failure? I'm her yardstick for all men without means. What happened today to cause the heart attack? Her violent temper. There must have been a reason. Yes, Janet, there was. I had a deal on and I needed $2,000. She flew into a rage and had the attack after I left the house. What on earth are we going to do about her? I don't know, Janet. As for me, well, I've come to the end of my rope. I've tried my best for 20 years to please her. Now, well, I... I just can't go on any longer. I'm through. What do you mean? Just that. There's nothing left for me now. I'm too old to try anything new. Too old to go back to my painting and... Agatha is becoming more resentful every day. I'm... I'm... I'm licked. Uncle Henry, are you trying to tell me that... that you're planning something? Planning something, my dear? What do you mean? You mustn't, Uncle Henry. Regardless of how you feel, there's still much to live for. Is there? You've always been so kind and good to me. I just couldn't stand it if you were to... No, 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 please, darling. <laughs> I'm much older than you are. Well, I just see things differently, that's all. And it's been terrible lonely in this house since you've been gone. Now it'll become lonelier and lonelier. Filled with hatred and greed and resentment. And I couldn't stand Promise it. Promise me. Promise me you won't do anything foolish. Janet, whatever I do will be for the best. Please believe me. Everything will come out for the best. <laughs> Around 12 o'clock that night, Janet, Grant, and Henry go to their rooms, and the big house settles down to sleep. 
Then, two hours after midnight, Agatha stirs uneasily in her bed. An eerie figure in white stands beside her. She opens her eyes. Uh, uh, who's there? I want you, Agatha Perrington. Uh, no! Aunt Agatha! Aunt Agatha! Good heaven. Grand Uncle Henry, hurry! What's happened? I heard a scream. Janet, Janet, what was it? There's a the medicine. Give her a dose. I'll rub her wrists. She's as cold as ice. What on earth could have happened? A nightmare? She's had quite a shock. Her pulse is fairly strong. She's coming, too. Oh. Oh. What happened? You screamed. You had fainted when we got here. Yes. Yes. There was someone in this room. I saw it. Saw what? I don't know what it was. It was a figure in white. Auntie, you... You must have had a nightmare. Maybe so. It, It could have been a nightmare, but... It seems so real. Look. The windows of the balcony is open. Did you open it, Aunt Agatha? No. No, I never keep it open. Look outside, Grant. You mean it might have been a burglar? My diamonds. It could have been a burglar. And your scream frightened him away. Look in the box in the drawer. I did. They're all here. Not a sign of anyone outside. Do you feel better now? What's happened, ma'am? Anything wrong? No, Higgins, nothing's wrong. Go back to bed, all of you. I'll be all right. And lock that balcony window. Now it is the next night. Uncle Henry is sitting alone at the desk in the library, lost again in a deep study. Grant and Janet are in the living room. You really think it might have been a prowler last night, Grant? Well, I don't know. The window was open. It could have been. I'm inclined to think it was nothing more than a nightmare. She's been so upset lately. If it was a burglary, he didn't get anything. Well, that's true. And he might try it again. If he does, he's liable to get a good scare. What do you mean? this. Grant, where did you get that revolver? Out of my trunk. Oh, please, Grant, I, I don't like guns. Let them take what they want. If, if you start shooting, they're liable to shoot back. Besides, jewels can be replaced. Now, Grant. don't worry, darling. I couldn't shoot anyone if I tried. Anyway, there are no bullets in it. Then what good is it? Well, it's a little thirty-two I use in school for a starting gun. It has nothing but blanks in it. You see? It won't hurt anyone, but it'll give them a good scare. Well, blanks or no blanks, I don't like guns around. Now, don't worry, darling. Oh, good heavens, it's 7.30. I'd better get dressed or we'll be late for the Morrison party. Oh, yeah, you better hurry. I'm all ready. I want to see about the car. Oh, uh, Higgins. Yes, sir. Come in, sir. I was just having a little coffee and a bite to eat. Would you care for anything, sir? No, no, thanks. Uh, did Rollins check my tires and gas? I did, sir. Rollins and the others are all off tonight. I put your car in front. Oh, thanks. Excuse me, sir. The Farrington residence? Yes? Oh, yes, Mr. Hammond. He's dozing in the library. I'll get him. What? Oh, oh, I see. Yes. Yes, I'll tell him. Goodbye. Joe Hammond wants Mr. Farrington to come over to his place this evening. I'll tell him. Excuse me, sir. Anything else I can do for you? Oh, no, no. I'll be running along in a few minutes. Uh, By the way, uh, since Mr. Farrington's going out, you'd better look in on Mrs. Farrington once in a while. Oh, I will, sir. So Grant and Janet drive to the Morrison's estate to attend the charity lawn party. And Henry goes to talk things over with Joe Hammond, the ex-lawyer who holds Henry's bad check. 
Then toward midnight, the lawn party breaks up and Grant and Janet return home. Well, that was a wonderful party, Grant. I never saw so many people. Friends I haven't seen for four years. I was thrilled to death. Yes, it was quite an affair. I wonder how much they raised. Good many thousands, I imagine. And did that red-headed gal sell war bonds? <laughs> I'll run up and see how Aunt, Ag- Aunt Agatha is. I'll be right down. Right. Uh, I think I'll have a nightcap. Want one? No, Oh, hello. Party over already? Yeah, big affair. Had a great time. I got to talking business with Joe Hammond, and first thing I knew, it was almost midnight. Fran! Fran, call Dr. Johnson! What? Janet, what is it? Aunt Agatha. Come quickly, Uncle Henry. Call Dr. Johnson, Grant. You can't get him. Call the emergency hospital. Get a police ambulance. I'm still trying to get Dr. Johnson, Janet. Never mind, Grant. Police surgeon says we won't... We won't need Dr. Johnson. Did he pull her out of the attack? No. He couldn't do a thing for her. She was dead when they got here. Good heavens. Well, she must have had a severe attack. Well, you see, Grandma... Just a minute, folks. I'd like to ask a few questions, and I'd prefer that you didn't carry on any conversation with each other. No conversation? Well, what do you mean, Janet? Never mind. I'll get around to that. Take all their fingerprints, Davis, while I'm talking. Yeah, Captain. I demand an explanation. What do you mean, fingerprints? How long have you known Janet Farrington? Oh, about six weeks. Where did you meet her? At a dance, a party. Did you know all about her? Who she was, her family? Certainly. What do you know about him? Well, I just knew I loved him and that was enough. I take it your financial condition is not so good, Grant. Well, no, I haven't any money, but what's that to do with it? Did Agatha Farrington object to your marriage? Yes, she did. She threatened to change her will unless we had the marriage annulled, but... Did you care whether that happened, Grant? Well, certainly. I didn't want Janet to lose her inheritance. What are you getting at? Grant had nothing to do with it, I tell you. I know what you're inferring, and it's ridiculous. Grant didn't marry me for my money. Uh, What's this about prowlers around the house? Well, we aren't sure there were prowlers. Agatha claimed someone was in her room last night. The window was wide open, but... We aren't sure about it. It was a nightmare. Well, she did keep some jewelry in her room, and from the looks of the room, someone certainly went through it thoroughly. Who knew about where she kept the jewelry? Why, all three of us knew. And Higgins the butler knew about it. Where's Higgins? Why, I never thought of that. Probably in his room. I'll look. Higgins! Higgins! He's unconscious! Yeah. He's been blackjacked. Higgins! Higgins! Uh, uh, Farrington, what's wrong? Who slugged you? Slugged me? Why, I've been asleep. That's what you think. Feel the bump on your head. Uh, Good heavens. Did you hear any shots tonight? Shots? No, no, I was in my room. I must have dozed off in the chair. Then it must have been a burglar. What goes on here? Anyone would think you were trying to cook up a murder. No, Grant. The murder's already been done. What? Yes. Mrs. Farrington was shot in the chest. Twice. Shot? But but that's not possible. Shot? Uh, here you are, Captain. We found this gun in the young fellow's room. It's been fired twice. Oh, this is silly. That's a starting gun. Nothing but blanks in it. Who fired it? What? I, I, I haven't the slightest idea. All right, Davis. Take the gun and the bullets from Mrs. Farrington's body and have ballistics check on them. young fellow. According to the ballistics test, the bullets that killed her were fired from your gun. But it isn't possible, I tell you. My gun had nothing but blanks. And there were no fingerprints but yours. I'm afraid you're stuck with this deal. No, please. Please listen. I couldn't have done it. You had a motive. A gun and an opportunity. 
And furthermore, you left that party for a half hour tonight. We checked on it. We have a witness who saw you leave. All right, what if I did? My gun has blanks in it. Oh, please believe me. I couldn't bring myself to do such a thing. I, I couldn't. You killed Mrs. Farrington, and you might as well admit it. I didn't. I didn't shoot her. I swear I never wait, touched wait, it. I... I can't stand by and see an innocent person suffer for this. The boy didn't do it. I did it. I had a better reason. I planned it. I'd have enough of Agatha, and I, I was caught in a jam. I did it to get the insurance she left me. I was desperate. I came back and slugged Higgins while he was asleep. Shot Agatha and left the house. I don't believe you. You're trying to cover up for him. But it won't hold water. We've got him dead to rights. But I couldn't have killed her. I only wanted to scare her. I... What? Go ahead. Oh, nothing. Then you did come back here. Spell it. Well, all right, I did come back. Grant, what are you saying? I had the gun, but there were nothing but blanks in it. I doped Higgins' coffee before I left the house. I came back and went to her room. I fired the blank. Why? Well, I knew she had a weak heart. I figured the shock would bring on her death. I was the figure in her bedroom. I couldn't see Janet lose her fortune, but I didn't want to give her up. Grant, how could you? I can't believe it. I tell you, I came back and shot her. If he fired blanks, then I must have fired the bullets that actually killed her. Look at his gun. Real bullets in it. What? Why, they are bullets. Where's your gun, Farrington? Here. Open it. Great Scott. Why, they're blanks. That settles it. Come on, young fella. We've had enough talk about this. The evidence is all against you. Yes, Grant. The evidence is all against you. And nothing can save you now. Try as he might, Henry can never convince anyone that he planned to kill Agatha. Although it is true he did come back and fire at her, just as you did, Grant. But it was definitely you and your gun that fired the fatal bullets. Of course, I know what you're wondering. How did the real bullets get in your revolver? <laughs> you know, don't you, Janet? Tell us what happened. I saw Uncle Henry put a revolver in his desk as I stepped into the library that night. I was afraid he was going to kill himself. When Grant showed me his gun with the blanks, I switched the shells in their guns to keep Uncle from com committing suicide. You see, I, I never dreamed that Grant had a plan afoot. Caused my aunt's death by mental murder. <laughs> there you are. Another tale of greed and revenge and hatred, all unraveled as neatly as you please. CBS has presented The Whistler. Original music for this production was composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The Whistler is written and directed by J. Donald Wilson and comes to you from Columbia Square in Hollywood. Next Sunday, same time... I, The Whistler, will return to tell you another unusual tale. <laughs> This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for the Red Skelton Show next on Theater of the Mind.
Time now for the Red Skelton Show. The Raleigh Cigarette Program, starring Red Skelton with David Forrester and his orchestra, our singing star Anita Ellis, Gigi Pearson, Verna Felton, Pat McGeehan, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. It's a pleasure to bring you Metro Golden Mayor's popular player and the star of the Raleigh Cigarette Program, Red Skelton. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody thinks it's a hog calling contest over here. <laughs> Thank you and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Rod, what's new with you? Oh, nothing much, Red. I've been reading a book entitled Advancement of Science by Farnsworth Aislop. Oh, you mean Jimmy Starr's little boy, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> Any good? Oh, yes. Say, did you know, scientifically speaking, that love is merely an increase in blood pressure and pulse rate? You can get the same effect by touching your toes ten times. Oh, come now. Surely you've left something out. <laughs> and you know, until I read that book, I never realized how amazing mechanical inventions are. Oh. Take my electric toaster, for instance. Oh. Or take my record changer. Or take my typewriter. You got any white shirts? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go get my truck. I can't get all the way. You know, the two greatest scientific advancements are plastic surgery and television. Oh, well, they go hand in hand. You know, when television gets in, I'm going to need plastic surgery. Well, I won't need plastic surgery. Uh, you'll need a girdle. <laughs> Either that or they have to show you in sections. <laughs> I can just hear a program coming on now and saying, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We now present Rod O'Connor in 10 episodes. <laughs> See, I couldn't get it all in myself. <laughs> hey, I wonder how far off television really is. Well, Red, in less than three years, your face will be in everybody's living room. No kidding. Mm-hmm. That's one of the dirtiest tricks science has ever <laughs> You know, television's going to be wonderful. Not only will you be able to see the man in the street broadcast, but you're going to see him killed by a hit-and-run driver. <laughs> well, you know, some people believe television sets will have coin slots on them. No? You pay to see a program. You know, Remember the jukebox? Oh, yeah, that's going to be something. You, know? you drop a quarter in a slot, you'll get Bob Hope. You drop 50 cents, you get Alan Young. 75 cents, you get uh, Fred Allen. Dollar, you'll get Red Skelton. <laughs> And 95 cents change. <laughs> you know, they're also working on an invention where you can drop a dime in a slot and get a sample of the product you're listening to? Oh, well, now that's really going to save a lot of people from running down to the corner drugstore in their pajamas, you know. <laughs> they always say, get, get, get that tonight, you know. <laughs> can you imagine being listening to some face cream program, see? And you drop a dime in a slot. And Lord Esther's wife let you have it right in the kitchen. <laughs> and now Anita Ellis sings More Than You Know. Yeah. 
entitled it pays to look well our characters are fictional if there's any similarity to persons living living conditions ain't too good are they <laughs> chapter 134 is entitled the cowboy and the tailor this is the story of dead eye who finds that clothes don't make the man like yours, McGregor. Old Sardo here, eh? It's pretty hard to handle. Well, I'll tell you, did I? Maybe that big saddle bothers him. What big saddle? I'm riding him bareback. <laughs> Ooh! Well, maybe he's hard of hearing. Ooh! Shoot your gun beside his ear. He should hear that. Did you say beside it or in it? <laughs> Oh, he's all right. That bullet's like everything else with him. In one ear and right out the other. <laughs> it's time up over here in the shade, huh? Well, the old town looks the same. Yeah. Yeah, what are you playing? Now, you ought to know me better than that. Women. W-E-M-N. Women. <laughs> you don't look very presentable to be talking to women. Look at your shirt. It's all dirty and your spats is ragged. What spats? Oh, them darn long underwear. They slipped again. <laughs> I look pretty bad, don't I, huh? You look like B.O. Plenty's eyebrows. 
before he combs them out. Yeah? <laughs> you should have said John L. It'd been more striking, you know. <laughs> Dominic the tailor and get rigged up in the new outfit. Okay, let's go. You know, I ain't felt like dressing up since my gal Ida Soda Storm ran away with old Jim Harkins. Ah, oh, good afternoon, gentlemen, to coin a phrase. Howdy. I'd like to get spruced up a little. What do you got in mind? Women, but I gotta get some new clothes first. <laughs> <laughs> I want something that'll fit my personality. Well, I'm sorry I have nothing with poison ivy. Well, that. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry you said that. How did I? Put your guns away. Oh, they're a little heavy. I want to empty some of the lead out of them. Now, look, don't be like that. Oh, come on, one little bullet. I want to see if I can deflate that big balloon. Just a little joke, old man, no offense. Oh? Now, here, would you be so kind as to remove some of your clothes so I can take your measurements? Okay, I'll take my guns off first. I was in field artillery. Nice guns. Had a little trouble getting the wheels off, though. <laughs> well, now I'll take off my Mackinac. Now my, uh, Macintosh. Now my fur vest. Now my short skin vest. Now my wool vest. Well, I'll be. What's wrong, did I? You know that windbreaker I shot a guy for stealing a year ago? Yeah. It just came to it. <laughs> okay, take my measurements. Now, let's see. Shoulder, 29. Yeah. Waist, 52. <laughs> Chest, 25. Chest, 25. Now, wait till I expand it, will you? Well, that's more like it. Twenty-five and a half. <laughs> right arm, thirty-five. Left arm, twenty-one. <laughs> left arm, twenty-one. How did that happen? Well, me and my wife have twin beds, and she likes to sleep holding hands. Old McGregor. Yeah, did I? Duck over to old Mac Davis's place and see if Gladys is there. Will All you? right, did I? I'll be back quicker than it takes you to say Lumen Avenue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the name Dead Eye sounds familiar to me. Just me, too. Shot a man, didn't you? Yep, but it was an accident. Fellow opened his hotel window and yelled fire. And I did. <laughs> Where'd you hear about me? All round. Say, here's something you need, a kerchief scarf. I don't care for that. Look better than that tie you're wearing made of rope. It ain't no rope nick tie. I just escaped, escaped a hanging. <laughs> I mean, they were going to hang you? <laughs> yeah, hanging was too good for me. They were going to hang me. <laughs> they weren't going to play yo-yo anyhow. <laughs> well, uh, how about some pants, huh? Oh, here's some. Would you like to try them on for size? Oh, I sure would. <clears throat> Now, right leg. Now, the left leg. You got a needle and thread. I forgot to take my spurs on. Hey, did I? Yes? wasn't there, but look who I ran into. Howdy, howdy, did I? <laughs> well, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
If it ain't my old gal, Heidi. He ain't changed a bit, Heidi. Well, you neither. You're just as bow-legged as ever. Oh, I ain't so bow-legged. Oh, no? Well, then how come you're standing on both sides of me? <laughs> how have you been, Heidi? Happy? What's been happening to you, huh? Well, that two-timer Jim Hawkins was going to marry me. But something stood in his way. What was it, gal? A wife and four kids. <laughs> he cheated me like he cheated you. I don't remember him promising to marry me. <laughs> no, but you remember the poker game he got you into. Yeah? Well, he cheated you out of your cattle and them poker cards was marked. With a hot poker, too. <laughs> you don't happen to know what happened to old Jim, do you? Yeah. Yeah, I hear he's ahead of a black market and lumber gang. But is running a clothing store to make folks think he's an honest citizen. Now, you don't mean to tell me that the gent that's waiting on me is old Jim Harkins. Stand behind me, gal. Don't move, dead eye. I've got my 45 pointed right at your head. Better stand in front of me, gal. <laughs> well, Jim, looks like things are going to happen just you... Just like I said. Oh, shut up. No cheap dance hall gal's going to make a chump out of me. Dead Eye, did you hear what he called me? Me, a lady? A cheap dance hall gal. Yeah, I heard him. Well, are you going to let him get away with it? Yep. Hey. Now, <laughs> uh, no, look here. It's none of my business, but uh, why don't you two go outside and shoot it out like real western gentlemen? Yeah. Oh, no. I remember Dead Eye and his one, two, three stuff and how he shoots on two. Well, then maybe we could figure out a new idea. Yeah, fight a duel. Stand back to back. Walk ten steps apart, then turn and blaze away. Okay. Now, he ought to know better than that. <laughs> well, let's go. Come on, boys. All right. Back to back. Draw your guns. Now start walking. Hey, dead eyes, stop following him. I'm sorry, I hadn't noticed. Now start all over. Okay. Start walking. Ten steps, then turn. Okay. Two, four, six, eight, ten. <laughs> That's what he gets for not doing his homework. <laughs> Now, David Forrester and his orchestra play One More Tomorrow.
chapter 135 is entitled Home Tailoring. The finest tailoring in the world is done by the mothers and the grandmothers at home. Of course, it's no surprise that the mean widow kid gets a cut-down suit. Hey, Grandma! Grandpa's gone. Can I take me cowbell off now? Yes, dear. Boy. Oh, my, you feel good to get that cowbell off. Hey, Grandma, why does I have to wear a cowboy belt when, when, when Grandpa's home? Because we like to talk freely, and you know too much already. Oh, <laughs> I die. Can I run down to the candy store and get me a jawbreaker? No, dear. Grandma doesn't have a penny to give you. Well, I'm in the chips tonight, boy. Look, 50 cents. Look. Where'd you get that? <laughs> it's one you didn't find when you went through Grandpa's pockets last night. <laughs> now, Junior, I don't go through your grandfather's pockets when he's asleep. Uh, no, you better be careful, that's all. Grandpa says he's going to put a mouse trap in him. <laughs> hey, Grandma, what you got your finger bandaged up for, hmm? You stop asking silly questions. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you get your widow finger caught in a widow mouse trap? No, Junior. It was a big mouse trap. Oh, well, looks like Grandpa took me suggestion after all, huh? I told him he'd get better results if he used a gopher trap. But I still don't see how I missed that half dollar. Well, it wasn't in the suit you was ramsacking, see. Oh. It was one hanging in the closet. Now look how black the flyer made it. Look, look. What fire? Well, now, don't get excited. I'm going to tell you about it. You see, there was a hole in his pocket and it fell through into the seam. See, so I had to burn up the suit and scrape the ashes for the half a dollar. <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> you just keep laughing, kiddo, that's all. I ought to spank you until you can't walk. Oh, yeah? What, you going to spank me until I can't walk? What are you going to do, spank me feet? <laughs> I knew someday she'd realize she's wearing my body out. <laughs> Junior, you're bad. No, no. I was going to take those old suits and make me something to wear. Well, your coat is still good. But I needed the pants to make the skirt. Oh. Oh, well, maybe I can make you a suit out of the coat. Oh, no, that's not But right. go get my sewing basket. Okay. I couldn't get the sewing basket. Oh, here it is, here it is. Can I borrow the scissors? I want to cut this picture of George Washington off of this green piece of paper here. No! Hmm? Put them down. What? What do you want to do, fall on those sharp points and dull them? Well, <laughs> Boy, it's good as love me, don't you? Now, Junior, run upstairs and get your blue pants. Okay. I'll cut the pattern from them out of this wrapping paper. Well, I'm not going to wear paper pants. <laughs> Goodness, I'm not a lamb chop, you know. Junior, who said anything about paper Goodness, pants? Goodness, you're going to make paper pants. You might as well cut... Two holes in a shopping bag and put me in there, you know. Put me arm through the handles. Let me walk around. <laughs> Stop acting silly and run upstairs and get those pants. Okay, I will get them. I'm going to go like I'm going to get Now, let's see now. Where could them blue pants be? Grandma straighten out my closet and I can't find a chin now, you know. Oh, there they are. There they are. I'm going to hurry, but I could slide down the banisters quicker. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Anybody know where I can get a cheap retread job? Now, get off the banister. Yeah, don't you hit me. Grandpa said that I could slide down the banister any time I wanted to. Oh, your grandfather should be ashamed permitting you to do things that will hurt you. Oh? Oh, but then when he's sick, he doesn't know what he's doing. I know how to cure his sickness. How? Don't spread this around. No. Shoot his bartender. I've got to see if this piece of material is big enough. Yes. Take off your pants. Here? <laughs> I won't do it. You're cold in here. Well, then at least take the stuff out of your pocket. Okay. You want me to empty my back pocket? Sure. Here. Hmm? Let me help you up on the chair. No, no, no. Don't grab me under the arm. I'm tickling. <laughs> Lift me up on my ears like a rabbit. <laughs> Stop talking like an idiot. Well, I can't help it. It was inherited, you know. Yes, and you know from which side of the family. Yeah, I know. I know, all right. And Grandpa agrees with me. <laughs> oh. If only you'd try to be intelligent just for once. Well, I will if you'll buy me a dog. Well, uh... A widow dog. What kind of a dog do you want? A widow black and white one. No, no, no. I mean, what breed of dog? He breeds with his nose, I guess. You <laughs> want a mama dog, a mama oh, dog. no, 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 you can't have one. Right. They always have fleas. <laughs> well, the kind I want has puppies. Now, hmm? just forget I said anything. No. There. No. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm going to sit on the back of the chair and tell you he's ready. No, don't do that. It'll oh. tip over with oh, you. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, behave me. I broke me with a skull. Now, now, I broke now, me you didn't skull. break your skull. Yes, I did. You had a and broke me skull. Oh, poor baby. He fell and hurt his skull. Yes, I had me skull. <laughs> he's scared. I'm scared. Bless his little heart. Yes, yes. Look, I put a dent in my head. Look, look. Well, stop putting dents in your head. It's hard enough to get hats to fit you. <laughs> now, stand still and you no. won't get hurt. Okay. Oh, where is my needle? No, here it is, here it uh, is. Mm. Go ahead, now, fret it, fret uh, it, fret it. Thank you. Yeah, now, fret it, fret it. Mm. What are you smelling it for? I'm not smelling it. It's dark in here. I can't see it. Oh, I thought you were smelling uh, it. Junior. Your fingers are smaller than mine. Yes. Pull the thread through the needle, will you? Now, hold it down here. Hold it down. Where is it? Where is it? Don't, don't, don't look at it so close. You'll get cross-eyed. Cross-eyed? Is that why I see two needles now? <laughs> Junior, stop that. I'm not doing nothing. Well, look at your eyes. I can't. My nose is in the way. Well, the only way to straighten them is to tap you on the back of the head. Yes. Here, 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 here. Straighten them. Don't knock them out. Here. Goodness. Junior, now hold this goods around your waist while I sew it together. You mean like that? No, 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 not under your chin. Well, I like it that way. I like my pants on. You know, I need to eat. I don't need a napkin. Just check my pants and my collar like that. Stand still. Yes. If I accidentally stick you with a pin, you'll listen to me. Yeah, if you accidentally stick me, you'll hear from me, you will. There. Stand still while I trim the legs. Oh, no, not me legs. Don't trim me legs. You're short enough now. Not your legs, the pants legs. No, no, the boy, for a minute I can see myself sitting on a Raleigh cigarette swinging me feet, you know. There. Now, the, the, the other leg. Yeah. There. That's funny. They're longer in the back than they are in front. Well, maybe I shouldn't have leaned over to watch you then. 
Probably many of us don't know that half of all the jobs in the armed services are directly related to civilian occupations. Let us realize that the skills, education, and experience acquired by those in the services make them better citizens and more valuable employees than ever before. Red Skelton is brought to you by the Brown and Williamson Tobacco Corporation. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Jack Benny, followed by Sam Spade. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.